Well, hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson, and joining me today, a special guest because of his great name, another Kevin, Kevin Horath. Kevin, welcome to our podcast. Hey, thank you, Kevin. So we could call this podcast like Kevin Squared or something like that? Kevin times two, double portion of Kevin. There you go. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to think about that a little more. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, anyway. So, well, welcome to our podcast. This is your first time on here, and I'm excited. Uh, we're going to talk about several of your books here, and uh, which are really good, and I recommend. And in fact, I don't have all of your books in front of me because one of them is being held captive by my five-year-old. Uh-oh. Will not let me have it back yet. So um, hopefully I can wrestle that away from him at some point. There you go. We'll see. So, all right. So, Kevin, uh, you're, you're behind uh, several factor books, the uh, Donkey Factor, Elijah Factor, uh, the Pharaoh Factor. We've been talking about those, especially the, the Donkey Factor. And uh, you've made a kid's version. That's what my, my Devante has right now. Um, but before we get into that, tell us a little, since this is your first time on the podcast, tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us kind of your testimony, uh, how you came to the Lord, kind of your spiritual journey. Sure. Um, It's an interesting story. I am from Decatur, Illinois, born and raised. Um, My father is a pastor. In fact, he founded our church in 1961. So last October, he just celebrated 60 years of ministry as full-time pastor. That's That's almost unheard of, right? And and he's still alive and well. He's starting to slow down a little bit and thought, you know, this is time to kind of turn the reins over and and I had been uh, in the wings for about 25 years as an associate pastor, but I also worked full time. Um, I was uh, in healthcare, um, a human resources vice president for a local hospital, and I was doing that for about 30 years, not in the VP role for 30 years, but in, in HR. And as life happened and situations happened, it was the perfect timing to just kind of say, okay, it's time to step out of the secular world and step into full-time ministry. Um, as I mentioned, I was born and raised in the church. I do remember, though, a very specific decision point where I asked uh, Jesus to be my Lord, put my trust in him, and I was living for him. Um, but at the age of 15, um, I kind of found myself in a situation where it was um, maybe a test of faith, uh, a trial of faith, maybe even a faith crisis, if I want to use that word. And um, I was diagnosed with um, a condition called psoriasis Mm. and also psoriatic arthritis. And um, I have a phrase I love to say, if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. Well, even when it comes to sickness, I guess if it's going to be a bear, it's going to be a grizzly. So I I have it pretty severely. And there are times where, uh, again, this is at the age of 15, uh, where my body would be covered 80 90% 90% with plaques and it would crack and bleed and very uncomfortable, very unsightly. And I remember just a, about a year before that diagnosis, we were at our summer youth camp and um, I didn't hear a voice. Don't get me wrong. I didn't hear a voice, but I felt strongly the call of God. And I knew God was going to use me in ministry. And my, my passion for God was high on the spectrum, man. I was on fire. My love, my passion, this is great. We're going to take on the world. And then this happened, this diagnosis. And I discovered that my passion for God, my love for God, it was high on one end. The pendulum swung. It went the other way. And all of a sudden, man, I was mad at God. Because 
God, why is this happening to me? Here, I'm living for you. I haven't been involved in drugs or alcohol or all the riotous living that I see friends and other people doing. And God, I want to live for you. And this happens to me and everyone else is, is living carefree. I mean, I couldn't wear shorts in the summertime or short sleeve shirts because I was so embarrassed and it really impacted me. And I began to withdraw. I began to harden my heart against the things of God. And I, I found myself um, going through the motions in some respects. I didn't completely disengage, but it was not true engagement. And I hardened my heart thinking that that was going to protect me somehow. But instead I found it was a prison and it got harder and harder until um, the day I found myself in 1996. I was married, had uh, my daughter was born. She was five years old and I had some sort of reaction. We're not sure to this day what it was to medication or something. I was in the hospital. I became what they call erythrodermic, where my skin turned red all over and began to peel off. Mm. Uh, my heart was racing. Uh, I was sick. We weren't sure if I was going to live or die. And I remember my daughter had visited me in the hospital and left. And I was there in the bed thinking, wow, if I die today, what would my daughter think of me? What would she remember about her dad? What kind of man was he? What kind of man of God was he? And all of a sudden, things started to turn a little bit, and God broke through that hardened heart, and it began to soften. It wasn't overnight. I started taking steps. I said, God, if I survive this, you know how we make deals with God, right? <laughs> if I survive this, I, I will serve you. I'm going to live for you, and we're going we're gonna to go at this full speed like it was 10 years ago when I first felt that call. And I, I, God spared my life. Uh, I'm, of course, I'm here today, so that, that's evident of that. Um, and uh, spoiler alert, medicine. you're still alive. You're still alive. Uh, and the I found some medicine that helped and bring under control. Not perfectly. I still have flares. I had one recently, um, but um, I began to learn how to use um, what I'd gone through. Even the more important, the spiritual condition, not so much the physical, the spiritual aspect of how I could use that to help others who are going through difficult times in their life. And uh, so that's what I did. I started off small steps. I did a support group for people with conditions like mine to help them because I understood that specifically. And then as time went on, we just kind of branched out into ministry in general because I discovered, again, this hardened heart condition uh, is the same, really, no matter what input is happening to cause us to get to that condition. And, and so um, that's kind of my story in a nutshell. There are a lot of highs and lows and a lot of battles, a lot of victories, a, a lot of defeats in some sense of the word, but God is faithful. And I decided, you know what, I've got to listen and heed God's word. And I've discovered when I do that, it makes all the difference in my life. Hmm. And I'm wondering if, what is the greater miracle that God brought you through all these health challenges or that you're a PK and you're still serving God. Uh, I say that, you know, well, partially in jest because, you know, we, we hear stories all the time and we're in a movement right now where a lot of people are deconstructing their faith and all of that. And so I hear your testimony and I just praise the Lord that you've got a faithful dad who has faithfully served the Lord for over 60 years. Mm -hmm. And he still has a son who has followed in his footsteps, hasn't denied the faith. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's 2 Timothy 2 coming right there. It's, mm -hmm. it's faithful men preaching to others who can teach also. That's just fantastic. Yeah, dad's not perfect, but he's yeah. been such a great example. Stability. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, he has convictions that I don't have, uh, and that's okay because there are some things that are different, you know. But sure. what I admire is he lives by his convictions, you know, and he um, uh, is faithful to God and what God's called him to do. And he poured into my life and did it by not only teaching, but by living. And yeah. I saw that. And I saw not only how much you love God, but how much you love people. Mm. And that was a hard part for me. You know, right. I worked in HR and I'm a pastor and I don't like people. Is that, <laughs> is that a problem? I, yeah. but, but, so God had to work on me to develop that love for people, to really um, have that heart, a pastor's heart, to want to help people right where they're at. And I, I learned a lot of that from my dad and, of course, my heavenly father. Let me ask you, you know, just working in HR and working in the healthcare industry, um, a lot of pastors, the criticism is you don't know what it's like in the real world. You know, you don't have a nine to five job like, you know, you work on Sundays and, you know, maybe an hour or two of sermon prep. But um, how had, you know, so you so you were bivocational ministry for many years and that brings a lot of challenges. But did you find that um working in a, a secular environment was at times a help or, or, or sometimes helps you connect with people better? Or uh, did God use that in any way to, to help your, your, uh, your church ministry? Absolutely. It was a help because to your point, not that ministry is not real. It is, but to have a secular job, put me out there where people are interacting in their daily lives day yeah. in and day out. Now in HR, it's a little different because I was in a role that I had to be very careful about my yeah. faith. I, you know, I couldn't uh, evangelize out openly and outwardly that right. way because I had to be extremely careful. But um, when I could talk about it, of course, but also live it. And that's what I tried to do. Again, the example I saw from my father and my mother, their faithfulness these many years and, and seeing that when you uh, we, we preach it, we talk about it, but when you live it out, it works. And I didn't make all the right decisions, but I, I, even in HR, you know, you're known for people like you when you're hired, right? It's an all a good thing. Yeah. Everybody in HR after that's pretty much wicked and evil, the evil HR director, um, because usually you involve HR when you're in trouble, you're, you're getting yeah. fired or yeah. something. And there. I, yeah, okay. So I, I tried to use my faith to help me empathize with people. Even if somebody, quote unquote, deserved to be fired, um, I didn't enjoy it. I yeah. didn't like it. Um, and so I, I would try to take that and use that empathy, even in delivering the hard messages, to do it in a Christ-like way. And that was difficult, but it helped me in learning how to interact and deal with people in, in real-life situations. Okay, so you, uh, you grew up in a Christian home, a pastor's home. You are passionate about the Lord, you're, you're in ministry, you're in business, but at some point a few years ago, you decided to pick up a pen and write a few things down on paper. Actually, I'm only assuming it's paper and pen because I'm old and that's what we used to do um, before, or maybe you pulled out a keyboard and started typing. And so you begin uh, a ministry of writing and you're writing these devotionals, you're writing these factors books. So what made you... Uh, theoretically pick up the pen and start writing. What was the, uh, the inspiration behind that? It was a low point in my life. I was just going through some personal struggles. And uh, I had actually preached. Uh, the Elisha Factor was my first book. I had actually preached that as a sermon series. So, yeah, it was actually, I think, paper and pen to begin with. Yeah. There okay. were sermon notes. 
And as and I didn't intend, I don't think, for it to be a series. But as I started learning about the life and ministry of Elisha, who was known, but maybe not as well known right. as some other prophets, you know, Elijah we know about and, and all the other big ones, Elisha is known, but maybe not as common. And yeah. so as I started unpacking that, um, it spoke volumes to me. The most important thing that I learned, and it's the title of my book, The Double Portion Life, in my circles that term has been misused and misapplied. Right. A lot of people think it's something extra that we get from God. Yeah. In fact, in our circles, I laugh about it. It's funny. I know people mean well, but they say, you know, I want a double dose of the Holy Ghost. You know, right. it's like, no, wait a minute. If we've got the Holy Spirit in our life, what more do we need? Yeah. It's not an extra level that we achieve. It's not like a video game. I pass one level and get to the next. Um, when we're born again, we have the Spirit of God. The double portion is actually a, um, a, a right of inheritance. If a father had right. two sons, say, and, and, uh, he, and he's going to die, and he's going to bequeath his ownings, his, his uh, uh, fortune to his kids, what they would do is take that and divide it into thirds if he had two kids. The eldest would get a double portion, or two-thirds, right. And then the youngest get one third. So that double portion isn't twice as much as the one who bequeathed it. It's more than the other child, but it's actually less than what the other had. So Elisha wasn't asking to be greater than Elijah. He was just asking to be the rightful heir yeah. uh, and, and to pick up the ministry. And so we are now, the Bible tells us, heirs of God, right. joint heirs with Jesus. Jesus yeah. has the right of the double portion. Right, because of, of his inheritance, right. his name is greater than any other name. But because we were born again, we are joint heirs with Jesus. So the right of the double portion is ours, and it's not something we have to work towards or or um, achieve. When we're born again, we have that right. So it's time we start moving out in that anointing and that power and that authority that we have in Christ. Now it's not arrogance, but it's positional. We know who we are in Christ. And so that spoke volumes to me. The other thing was, uh, and I'm rambling, I hope, or hope not, but I'm oh, that's okay. that spoke to me was the uh, transition of ministry. Elisha was not looking, as far as I can see in scripture, to be a prophet. Right. He, he just plowing a field. fields. Yeah. He was plowing a field and Elijah comes along and throws the mantle on him. Yep. Like, what are you doing here? Yeah. Uh, and, and so he was faithful in his current assignment until God went to the next level. And so then he follows. And he, I think history tells us maybe what seven to nine years or so of ministry um, with uh, with Elijah. And then yep. it's time for Elijah to be taken away. And before that, Elijah said, Hey, you can stay here. You can um, just stay back and I'm going to make this victory lap. But you, you, you stay here, Elisha. And Elisha said, No, as the Lord lives and as you live, I'm going to stay with you. Hmm. And so Elisha followed Elijah all the way to the end. Um, I see in ministry, oftentimes people grasping and clawing and grabbing for that yep. next rung on the ladder. Right. When Elisha showed us perfectly how this transition needs to be done, you stay in your current assignment until God moves you. Yep. Because what I noticed when Elijah was taken to heaven, the Bible tells us that that chariot of fire came between them. It took an act of God to separate them. Hmm. I wish that would happen in ministry today, that it would take an yeah. act of God to pull us apart instead of us clawing and dragging and fighting and pushing and pulling for that next level of ministry that we think that we're entitled to. 
Um, and so that really spoke to my heart as I read that story. And I thought, wow, I got to keep looking into the life of this guy. And so started digging these things out. And then I said, you know what? I think this might make a good devotional. And so I self-published to begin with. It was not well proofread. <laughs> it had some errors. Uh, and so I self-published. And then I thought, you know what? There's more that I want to do here. And I reached out to a publishing company and submitted my manuscript. It's a partner publisher. And they said, yeah, this is great. We'll, we'll clean this up. We'll, we'll absorb your first book. And then we've got some new ones that I was interested in. They said, yeah, we'll, we'll help you publish those too. And so that kind of took off. Most of my writings come from sermon series or examples of my own life. That's, that's you know, what I'm going to be a little forward here. And I, th I think we need to have you back on the podcast and talk about just, just that idea of what it means to be number two. Okay. You know, what, what it means to be the, the assistant pastor. Because mm -hmm. what I'm hearing is, is, is not just the story of Elijah, but I'm hearing your story. Yeah. I, I'm hearing the story of a man who, who is, is serving the Lord for 25 years as an assistant pastor and someone who may struggle with, you know, I think I've been there. You know, I, I, I've been the assistant pastor. I've been associate pastor, youth pastor. And you kind of, you know, you get that ambition mm -hmm. that – and. Even in ministry circles, there's that push to be, you know, there's a joke about the youth pastor. When are you going to become a real pastor? Right. Uh, and the same thing can be of an assistant pastor. Or you the know, worship leader. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you, you know, there's that natural expectation of you shouldn't stay where you are. You're, you're looking for that next step. And there is, within ministry, there is competition. And there, there are prized positions mm -hmm. that you want to go to um but we don't have time to talk about that now but i really want to talk to that i think um that'd be a great podcast but yeah, i'm looking yeah. over your shoulder and i'm seeing a donkey oh you see it back there oh there you are yeah. um and so let's talk about the donkey because I, I i i love this book my kids love this book as well and i'm curious um not many people set out to write a book about a donkey and I, I love the fact, you know, you, you made the joke about the King James Version, uh, which I'm not going to say here because I don't want to change the settings on our podcast for explicit language. But um, so why why a, a, a donkey of all things? What made you think I want to write a book about a donkey? Uh, it's kind of funny uh, because when I wrote this book, um, I was associate pastor. As associate pastor, I got to preach on Sunday mornings um, last several years, one time a month. Okay. Mm. I had the preacher's itch. I wanted it to be more, right? Like we were just talking about, but no, I know my assignment and this is what God's called me to do. And this is what we're going to do. And so that year, uh, Palm Sunday fell on my Sunday. Hmm. And I'll be honest, my first reaction was, ah, oh, why can't I get Easter Sunday? You know, that's like the yeah. Super Bowl of Christianity. Right. Why right. can't I get the big one, the big dance? Uh, I get Palm Sunday. And uh, it was the wrong attitude to have, of course, uh, and I, God corrected me and, and I accepted that uh, in, in my own study time. But as I was looking at it, I thought, okay, how can I look at this um, just a little bit differently than maybe I have before? Not that the story needs to change. The story stands on its own, but, you know, we hear it every year. Jesus comes in on a donkey, people wave palm branches. Uh, Hosanna, blessed he, he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then a few days later, they turn on him and crucify him, right? And it's the same story we hear over and over and over. And 
I get it. That, and that it's a good story. It's a necessary story. But I start, thought, okay, how can I look at this just a, maybe a little differently? And I went back to the prophecy in, in Zechariah that um, was prophesied that the, the, the king, the Messiah, would come riding on a donkey. Hmm. Um, and so I thought, why a donkey? What? We always say, well, it's because he's meek and mild. And yes, but I thought there has to be more to this. And as I dug into it, there is. And I found Exodus 13, 13. I, I had never really studied this before, but the Bible tells us that the, um, the Hebrew, the Jewish man family, if they had a donkey uh, that was born uh, and they wanted to keep that donkey, it's a domesticated animal, they had to do one of two things. They had to either sacrifice a lamb in its place or they had to break the neck of that donkey. And that's because God said the firstborn of every creature is mine. That was uh, because of what happened at Passover, right? God, so God says, hey, the firstborn of every creature is mine. So you have to sacrifice it to me. But the donkey's unclean. The donkey can't be sacrificed. So now the Jewish person has a conundrum. What do I do here? I can't sacrifice it. I have to break its neck if, if, I, if I can't sacrifice it. But that's not the same thing. And and so I've got a lamb now. God says you can sacrifice a lamb in its place. So now that Jewish person's got to make a decision. I've got a lamb and I've got a donkey. Which one do I want? If I want the donkey, I've got to sacrifice a lamb. If I don't care about the donkey, I just let it die and I'll keep the lamb. And sheep, lambs were very important in the life of the, the ancient uh, Hebrew. And, and so it was a tough decision. I had to weigh in the balance, which is more important. The livelihood of their family could depend upon the decision they made when that donkey was born. And so um, I, when I thought about that, I thought, no, wait a minute. God had to make a decision too. He looked down and saw me, this old donkey. <laughs> and I'm unclean because of my sin. Yeah. Does he keep me? Or do I face the wrath of God? Or can a lamb be sacrificed in my place? And that lamb, of course, we know is Jesus. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming. Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right. And so the typology of the donkey is it's us. And we, we laugh about that today because the terms we use for donkey and the symbol of stubborn as a donkey, you know, and we, we use it as an insult. But donkeys really are not stubborn. Yeah. They're smart, they're strong, they're protective. They won't do something if they think it's unsafe. And so that's where we think they're stubborn because they, you know, somebody's trying to pull them to go someplace where they don't want to go. The story of Balaam and his donkey, perfect example. The donkey saw the angel of the Lord. Balaam didn't. The donkey stopped. That made Balaam mad. So he starts beating his donkey, trying to get her to go, thinking she was being stubborn. But no, she was being protective. And so to say somebody's a donkey, well, today it's an insult, right. really, it's a compliment. Um, and God looked down and saw us and said, hey, I'm willing to sacrifice the lamb, the lamb of God yeah. for that donkey. Wow. That just opened the uh, uh, symbolism for me. And then to think that Jesus rode that donkey on Palm Sunday. It wasn't about the crowds. It was, I think, about the donkey carrying the word of God, the literal word of God on his back yeah. through the streets of Jerusalem that day, took him to the temple. And um, that's where then Jesus is, we see as our prophet, our priest, and our king. Um, kings back in the Old Testament, 
they came in on donkeys. Mm. Uh, Solomon, actually, at the dedication of the temple, and uh, actually before that, it was uh, when he was uh, anointed as king, he rode David's mule. Now, a mule is the offspring of a horse and a donkey. Yeah. Um, so Jesus rode a purebred donkey, and it wasn't a borrowed donkey. Solomon rode, rode David's mule. This was a donkey that had never been ridden, pure, and uh, Jesus rode it on, on Palm Sunday. And the other part of that story is um, a lot of times we focus on just the donkey, but Matthew's gospel is clear and tells us that there were two donkeys that day. And I wanted to study that a little bit, because why do we focus on just the one donkey? Were there two? And how would Jesus ride two donkeys? Is he like a circus acrobat or a rodeo star standing on both? Well, what's going on here? But what I discovered was what I think happened, I think there were two donkeys. One was mom, and then the colt that Jesus rode. A colt is a donkey less than a year old. A colt, uh, a donkey, is stubborn in the fact that it won't do what it thinks is unsafe. It'd never been ridden, and it didn't know these strangers who had come to take him to, to go to Jesus. So I think it's important to note that I think mom led the way, and when mom went, the baby donkey followed, and then Jesus rode that colt with mom leading the way. Parents, we have to lead our children to Christ. What an example. And so I wrote that into the story as well. In fact, I, I wrote it uh, on Mother's Day. Um, I'd started the series on Palm Sunday, and I just kept go looking through the Bible at different times the donkey was used. And again, it just was eye-opening, mind-blowing how many times the donkey is there. And um, I think the symbolism is very strong. And I had to try to figure out, how am I going to incorporate um, the donkeys to Mother's Day, I thought, boy, this is dangerous. I've got to be real careful here. Right. And this is what I came up with from scripture. And from that, the story was born. I actually wrote it the night before Mother's, before I preached it. It, it just came yeah. out, changed a little bit in the editing as we were going through, because I had to write it for four to eight-year-olds. But um, I presented it that Sunday morning and um, thought, wow, this might make a good children's book. And then I thought, I need to do it also an adult devotional to help explain some of the nuances, yeah. the typologies and things that is not going to be maybe real evident in a children's book. And so I thought, well, do it as a companion guide. And this might be a, a great tool for parents and teachers and, and pastors to use yeah. for children. Well, we're just about out of time and we haven't wow. even scratched the surface <laughs> in these things. In fact, we didn't even get to um, your your book, The, the, the Pharaoh Factor. Um, give us just a little brief overview uh, of what that's about. The Pharaoh Factor is a story, and I shared a little bit of my heart and heart. Um, I tried to figure out what was happening in my life, and I thought the best way to figure this out was to go to Scripture. And the prime example of a heart and heart in Scripture is Pharaoh the Exodus. Yeah. And so I thought, I'm going to look into that character. I know he's the quote-unquote villain, and it's not popular to study villains, but he's in the Bible, so therefore he's there for our example. So I wanted to see. And so I break down the character of the Pharaoh the Exodus as we see in Scripture. We don't know his name but we see his traits and attributes and scary enough i saw those things in myself and so i wanted to know am i destined to go down like pharaoh or is there an answer to a hardened heart and that's what that book is about all right we'll get these books our recommended resources for this week um the elijah factor live i gotta make sure i say elijah, elijah. I've just first and second kings in my old testament survey class and that's where i, I try to trip 
the kids up on, but mm. I like generalization. So the Elijah factor, the double portion life, uh, the Pharaoh factor living with a hardened heart and the donkey factor living a life used by God. And Daniel and the donkey right there. That's the one I don't have here because Devante is holding it captive. It's in his room right now. I'm going to try to pry it from his hands later. Um, but Kevin, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And we're going to have links to all of those books and your website in our show notes. So make sure you find that at uh, www.basicbiblepodcast.org. And uh, we're have all those resources there. You need to buy the books. You need to buy the books. Go and buy them. And, and Kevin, by the way, before I forget, um, I, I like to call these books my, my media mogul uh, books because, you know, I get them because I'm a powerful titan in the podcast industry. Um, but you do something that not every author does. And I appreciate that um, not only do you send me a copy of the book, which is why I do the podcast is for free books, but you also signed them. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. not every author does that. So you get an extra point, a gold star in my book, uh, right. literally, um, because you signed them. So, so Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And uh, sorry if I rambled on a little bit, but no. I'm excited about these things. And, well, we uh, want you to come back on and ramble on okay. some more. We'll do that. We'll do that. All right. So thank you all of us for, uh, thank all of you for joining us and uh, come back next week. So until then, have a great rest of your week.